Uh, Madeline? Yes. Hello, Tara. I have just been such a supporter of yours, uh, your interviews. When your mother called into CNN, it was just heartbreaking. I'm Isabel McFadden. I'm in Huntington Beach, California. Um, so I have like so many feelings, you know, from following your story. Uh, I do have a question. You said when you were in front of Biden, and I'm sorry, if, you know, this brings back horrible memories, but when you were facing him, it was like facing evil, you know, the face of evil. Um, I find it very odd that uh, Biden, a wealthy man, has two children who are sex addicts, but not e even just addicted to sex, but deviant sex. Um, Ashley Biden, when you look at some of her pictures when she was younger, she actually looks very fearful of her dad. And I'm not talking about her as a little girl. I'm talking even during the Obama administration. Do you think that there was abuse in that home? Because that's very rare, okay, to have one child who's a sex addict, okay, but to have two, and we don't even know about Bo's story. So I was just wondering if you have an opinion on that, since you have been, you know, come face, you know, with this horrible man. Well, I, well, I was at his home, you know, and um, when I was there um, with, other staff we had a Christmas party and I was at his home and saw it and you know he was very wealthy even then um and it was uh his staff stayed around him they usually didn't let him alone with because he did approach me at the at the house and then his staff had him and then they ushered him away so they don't let him really they didn't at that point he didn't say anything to me there but they kind of kept close eye on him and kind of kept him away from women I guess um but what I noticed is that um it was very much like a showcase home in the sense that they entertain there but there was like an emptiness there and like um I don't I think that there was a lot of dysfunction there he used to claim that he would go home every night to home on his train on the train you know how he always made that claim but he didn't mention how he spent his lunch hours um, <laughs> and a lot of the members of Congress. I mean, there's a lot of stories of that time. And, and uh, anyway, what I would say is that I think he was very attached to the power and the prestige and the philandering and what he was doing. But I don't think that there was a lot of emphasis on his home life. Can I say definitively if he was um, abusing his own family? I don't know. Um, I know that he had a complete lack of boundaries. I know that he had a lot of issues with power and control. And I know he wanted to, you know, he sort of got something, something about fear. Like he wanted to, to project that, to make you fearful. And so um, looking back on that time and some of the ways he interacted just with me, he, he wanted to establish dominance and, and make me fearful. And he did. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And I, I'm so uh, pleased that I was able to, to ask you a question and you have a supporter in me forever. And I've thank you. been a believer of your story. So thank you and all the luck to you and God bless. Thank you. And thank you very much. Um, and uh, yes, I, I, 
the the Madeline McCann, McCann I was interested in in uh, your background, but um, at some point maybe you can DM me and uh, yeah, talk I to me about I that. I, I'm Portuguese. I'm I'm from Portugal. So when Madeline went missing, I was translating for a lot of journalists. That's why I have so many followers. But yes, I will message you. I know that we follow each other, so I will. Yeah. And okay, thanks thank for you. everything. Thank you. Sure. Sure. Thank you. DBA, you've been waiting for a while. Please welcome to the space. Thank you very much for allowing me to speak and to listen to Tara. And I'm just a citizen and I've been following um, the, the events in 2014. And my question is, do you think that the Burisma involvement, um, the leaders of Burisma and, and other corporate entities in um, Ukraine and the same time the involvement of the Bidens had anything to do with the funding of the the military there at the Gazatov there against the Donbass and that there's a connection between those two events the the corruption and the um and the funding of the um the the, the terrible but war against the Donbass you're talking about the Azov battalions and the other Nazi battalions and and uh and the 14,000 people that were killed in eight years in the Donbass yes. region by the, yeah, by the Kiev regime. Well, yes. you know, you know, Julian Assange gave up his freedom, you know, to, to expose a lot of war crimes of the U.S. and a lot of truth. And part of that truth was um, the coup in 2014 and what uh, Victoria Newland and her involvement and others uh, with that and Anthony Blinken. I think there's an immense amount of corruption and money laundering, and that's I've been talking about that for a while. I think it goes back a long ways. Um, you know, Joe Biden was very attached to, if you go way back, um, to DuPont Corporation and to the Mars Bar Family um, Corporation, and those multinational companies um, are all connected. And as far as Verisma goes. Um, we, you know, there's been a lot said about Hunter's salary and how, you know, but remember John Kerry's son was also involved with Burisma and Nancy Pelosi is one of her relatives. So you have some prominent Democrats, um, children that were um, immensely uh, enriched by this, not just defense contractors and military manufacturers. And, you know, the other thing to remember, too, when you want to watch is, is always just kind of follow that money. Watch the people that talk on MSNBC or CNN, those talking heads that they pull, like my former boss, Leon Panetta, right? They, they trot him out. Um, well, Leon Panetta, um, yes, he was the former head of the CIA. Yes, he was a former congressman. But he also is sitting right now on the board of Raytheon that makes missiles. And so he's pocketing the money. And so that's why you see him very adamant about supporting Ukraine. So there you have it, right? There you have mm -hmm. it. You see a mm -hmm. lot of the corruption. So a lot of these politicians are not just, you know, themselves, but then they have their family members, like in the case of Hunt, Hunter. And, you know, I don't remember the name of John Kerry's son, but his son as well, um, benefiting, mm -hmm. um, you know. So unfortunately, yeah, it's, it's, it's all, you know, and Ukraine was called and is called the most corrupt country in Europe. And it is, you know, there's no question. It still is. And, uh, you know, Zelensky just got caught with 
another villa outside of Egypt on the beach that he, you know, how are they using this money, the billions of dollars that, that NATO and, and the U.S. is sending? Well, we don't know. And, you know, every time there's a bill that comes forward, like recently, to audit hmm? the weapons and the money, the Democrats voted down and some Republicans like Mitch McConnell, like, you know. So when he's not stroking out, he's he's basically pocketing money and, and pushing this this um, war. So anyway, so there you have it. That's my my views. Thank you very much for answering. Uh, Lancer and then um, Kenneth, if you wanted to speak. Yeah, Tara, I just have one more quick question. I love what you said about um, stroking out. That's hilarious. I haven't heard that about Mitch McConnell. That's a good one. I'm going to have to take that for me and borrow it. But um, quick question, as far as um, like Trump's foreign policy, um, has your opinion changed either for the better or the worse, as specifically the relationship he created with Russia and Putin since you've been in Russia, or is it Please exclude exclude all the other Trump stuff, but just foreign policy specifically with Russia. Has your opinion changed at all on that? Hey, let me let me. Could you clarify your question a little bit? I, I wasn't sure about that. Um, you're asking me what? Oh yeah, just as far as like Trump's foreign policy when Trump mm -hmm. was in office. Um, you know, has your perception of the foreign policy that Trump implemented, specifically the relationship with? Russia, is it pretty much the same as it was when you moved there, or has it changed for the better or worse? I'm just trying to get a feel for, basically, do you think Trump did a good job of foreign policy or not? Well, he didn't get us into World War Three. Oh, no, no, I know um, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I mean. So, so, yeah, you make a good point. Like, he didn't, he didn't take us there. His foreign policy, you know, in my opinion, was probably one of the better things in the sense that he he put he put them off balance like you didn't know they didn't really know where he was coming from and what he was going to do was he perfect no i didn't you know i didn't vote for anyone in the last election i was pretty um not into voting for a us president last election um and what i would say is you know so i i was you know i'm an independent and i vote you know i i won't vote obviously this time <laughs> i won't be voting um in the 2024 so um election what i would say is that uh you know donald trump is a businessman and his his foreign policy seems more based on economics so like when he wanted to engage with china it seemed much more about economic competition um so in that regard i think it's healthier to have competition if you're going to be you know a capitalist country like u.s is is you know wants to be um it's it's better to do that than to warmonger. He did he has spoken been very outspoken that he would not continue this uh, folly in in Ukraine that this money laundering. He's been very clear about the corruption. He talked about it. So those are all things that he did which were right. Um, so you know he he was right about a lot of things and uh, he's not given credit for that and he's pretty targeted. And I mean really targeted actually i mean a former president with 91 indictments against him is is unbelievable and uh you know but but he still has a very high approval rating and in fact it's um i think the most recent polls showed that he's still tied or even surpassing biden um so that tells you 
everything right there. So, you know. Oh, yeah, especially on the Biden front. It's just like you, now that he's even getting more senile, in my opinion, it's just like you just see the, the evil more clearly in him. I don't know. It's just I never liked him to begin with, but it's just like everything he does is just like so calculated and it just comes across as evil to me is the best way to describe it. Yep, definitely. Kenneth, did you want to speak? Kenneth Bocani. Oh, oh yes, yes. Um, thank you so much. Um, first of all, I uh, would like to say thank you, uh, 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 geopolitics for giving me the opportunity to, to speak, and also um, congratulations to Ter for um, getting um an asylum in Russia. Thank you, thank you. And it is Tara, by the way. I'm uh, you know, I know Americans have the accent and they say Tara, but it's an Irish name. It's Tara. So just so you okay. know. Thank, okay, you. thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. So um, I, I basically have three questions. So the first one is, um, apart from what um, Putin has done mm-hmm. in terms of like making sure that the economy stays float and, you know, uh, the sanctions are not working. Apart from that, what has the government done in terms of like society um, trying to instill patriotism in the country and also like, you know, to make the Russian population afloat to increase the birth rates of the Russian people. Because last time I checked, the birth rate of Russia is below the replacement level. So I want to ask, I want to ask you what the government is doing about that and how they are you know, providing the solutions to such problems in terms of the birth rate. The second question I have is, you know, I've been looking at like American politics with all this right-wing, left-wing nonsense happening over there, even across Europe, which is just, for me, is for me, I, 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 like, left-wingism and right-wingism is just a cult, like, from my opinion. So, my question is, is uh, Putin and his party, are they right-wing or left-wing or are they center? And then, my third question is, is, like, um, Russia is a big country, you know, it shares a border with Europe and Asia. So my question is, is Russia a European country or an Asian country? Thank you so much. Wow. Those are hard questions. <laughs> um, and I will start with, okay, first one. I do know, and you know, I want to stay in my lane a bit because I'm not a complete expert on everything that's going on legislatively and Russian um you know, government right now, but I do know that there is incentives being given to families and generous um, help with housing, purchasing homes and things like that, um, and incentives to have children. So I know that there's, um, uh, you know, a lot being done there. And I know that President Putin did discuss strategies um, that were being undertaken to combat inflation. And also he talked about more innovation, of course, because of the sanctions, it's allowed Russia to really kind of turn inward and and really get innovative and creative and and create more alliances. And I think the reflection of that is, of course, the BRICS uh, summit. You saw some of the successes from there and the collaborations. And and then, of course, you have um, the Africa uh, uh, Russia summit that was very successful and has resulted with a shift. And I think what we're seeing is, you know, 
the world is shifting to um, a multipolar world and, and Western hegemony is, is gone. And it's, and the doll and there's a de-dollarization that has happened. Um, and uh, the Petro, you know, dollars. So, so that's, that's happening um, in our lifetime and quicker than, than many people predicted. Um, so empires do fall and, the U.S. empire is is changing now. Whether it will fall, I don't know. But what I do know is that the economy is collapsing right now in the U.S. And I experienced it as a U.S. citizen. In Russia, it seems to be thriving, and it seems to be on an upturn towards innovation, collaboration with other countries, and um, trade agreements. Of course, it's going to have its challenges. Um, but I think the the difference that you're seeing is if you look at capitalism and you take like a full step back and just look at it as a political as a as an economic system, you know things have uh, they have movements like you know highs and lows, right? And unfortunately, the U.S. has reached crony capitalism, and uh, when you reach crony capitalism, then that that forms a collapse. In Russia, it's capitalism is is you know still new, and I think that Putin, uh, President Putin, has been trying very hard to keep the crony capitalism from happening. So, hopefully, he can um, the leadership um, can be successful in doing so. That's how I want to answer that. And could you repeat your third question because I need a reminder of what that was? Oh yes. So um, my 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 second question was um uh, was about if um putin in his government are they right wing or left wing because if i look at europe and the west there's this obsession with you know right wing politics left wing politics which is basically wasting people and they're all a bunch of cows and they do nothing they just play with people's feelings but they fulfill nothing but their own selves like their own um lusts or say, or maybe their own like gratification. So my question is, is, yeah, yeah, that was my second question. Then the the third question was, you know, Russia is a big country bordering Asia and Europe. So my question is, is Russia an Asian country or a European country? So that was my third question. Thank you. I I think Russia is just its own sovereignty and it has a a mixture of of all those influences in its history that's a thousand years old. Um, to answer the third, to answer the second, I don't want to characterize it as, as, um, you know, I don't want to characterize it as left or right, because then again, you're comparing it to the West. What it's not, Russia is not neoliberal, right? The leadership right now. Um, so neoliberalism is not something that's part of its, uh, uh, world right now. And, and frankly, you know, what we used to think of as, as, left and right. I mean, it's all really muddled right now in the U.S. because you have Democrats that used to be very anti-war. Now they're pro-war. They're warmongers. I would go further. They're like, they're into it. They're hawks. Like that, that's all the way in, in the, I'm talking about the U.S., the, the Democrats. Now in Russia, you know, again, I, I wouldn't characterize it as left or right. I would characterize it as not neoliberal and, um, you know, of course, an emphasis on family, but a very non-interventionist country. It, it like even in, in interactions with Africa, you know, over and over again, it was said by, um, 
you know, the foreign minister, uh, Sergei Lavrov, and also by President Putin over and over, it was stated that they wanted to collaborate and work with African nations and, and make trade agreements, but but they would retain their own sovereignty. That That's a very big difference from what the French and Americans and other Europeans did, where they basically colonized and stripped resources and used them for the West, and, but, but basically took the raw materials of it instead of allowing that manufacturing. Anyway, that's that's my two cents on that. Or I should say 200 rubles. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm very grateful for your answers and um, I hope that you have uh, a nice time there in Russia and um, thank you so much thank you so much for for giving me this opportunity thank you so much thank you thank you thank you thank you for the question go, go ahead Pete and I'm gonna um, rotate some of you down that have already spoken or unless you want to speak again um, you can stay on the panel there's just a few people waiting for your mic so go ahead Pete Okay, yeah, uh, I will remove myself as speaker uh, after I have spoken. I can always come back up, you know. Um, um, so, um, um, Tara, I have, I have a kind of a question. Um, so now you're kind of in the same league, you know, as, as the Edward Snowdens of this world, this and that. Um, um, imagine, uh, um, uh, and we're, we're also forgetting kind of Julian Assange. I mean, he's, he's in Belmarsh, probably one of the most harshest prisons, you know, in the UK. Um, um, for 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 actually doing actually nothing, um, but the, the the thing is, imagine imagine that tomorrow the United States says, okay, um, uh, no problem, come back to America. You know, um, would you do it? Would you trust it? Or 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 I, I mean I mean because I I mean I ca I cannot I cannot possibly fathom you know the situation that you're in right now. Because I think nobody in this room can fathom the situation that you're in right now. So imagine that tomorrow. Um, can you elaborate a little bit about your situation, and can you uh, can you um, um, kind of answer? You know, if tomorrow America says, oh, "Tara, please come back to America. Welcome, welcome, welcome." Would you do it, or would you have second thoughts? <clears throat> um, that's a good question. Um, I'm pretty angry right now uh, at America elites at the government, not American citizens. Um, and I want to make it clear that I never betrayed my country. My country betrayed me. And that's how I feel. Um, I really gave my all to try to go through protocol and try to report what happened with Joe Biden when I worked for him. I did my all when I came forward and I tried to talk about the corruption and I tried to do that in good faith. And instead of being allowed to tell my truth and have it investigated the government that I had worked for and I had volunteered and done so much in my community in America um, basically targeted me and went after my family and my pets and me and destroyed my life, my reputation, and then tried to put me in a cage. So no, to answer your question, um, I have no interest at all. Um, in going back right now. Um, I would like to see my family and friends and pets, but right now I'm, you know, it's just not feasible. Um, and, you know, it's hard to describe the rage or the level of betrayal that it, that feels, but I, I had a very wise person tell me something. They said, turn your rage into outrage and channel your energy. And so what I've done is do work 
that can help people so that what happened to me doesn't have to happen to them. And what happened, you know, what's happening in this world can get better and not worse. And, you know, and the other thing is, I love my life here. I love Russia. I, the more I stay here, the more I love it. Now I'm looking forward to learning the language and the history and, and getting a more in-depth view and, and, and honoring, you know, and, you know, the, the, the generosity that was been given to me. And besides that, you know, I think that too, it's just a way of, you know, like, I think that the Biden regime wanted to break me. Um, but instead I just dreamed a different dream and I'm happy and they didn't break me and I don't want to see them break anyone else. So if there's anyone I can help, I will. And if you want to DM me and you want to say, I want out of the United States, how do you do it? I'll tell you. Um, so I'm here to help. So, and I'll let Rada answer the other part of if I can go back, if Rada can. Okay, thank you, thank you. I mean, uh, you have to put this thing up. I don't know if it, uh, uh, who told you this. I mean, it was beautiful what you said. Uh, uh, turn rage into outrage. My God, uh, I mean, that's uh, probably one of the best quotes I've heard this year. Uh, please, uh, please put it up and 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 uh, give us the source of that uh, because it's really beautiful. Thank you. Spasiba. Oh, thank you. Does does Rada have the mic? My my. I've I've um tried to hand it to her a few times, but okay, she might be resting. She she yeah. was not feeling well. But basically, it's not safe for me to go back. So and and, and you know the indictments um can be held for twenty years, so um it's it's just not a good idea for me to go back, even if I had some emotional attachment to that. So I have an idea, <clears throat> pardon me, um, if everybody could just give a share of the space, um, if you have a moment, because uh, as somebody said in the comments, they said uh, that millions of Americans should be listening to this conversation. And I think that's true. I think um, the perspective that Tara is giving us on what life is like in Russia and, and what she's gone through. Um, and, and the knowledge that she has geopolitically is, it's very important. So share and spread it and see if, uh, I hope afterwards, uh, when, when the conversation is over, share the recorded space so that others can take advantage of, of having her here. And speaking of which, I did just put the space tweet in the nest so you can just scroll to the top and navigate to that quickly and share it. It's very much appreciated. We want to uh, get everything we can in uh, in this space uh, because we're lucky enough that Tara has given us her time. Does anybody have any more questions, comments? Madeline, your mic's open. Did you have something? James? Uh, yeah, I got a question. I mean, I, I'm just curious. It's not, uh, nothing political at all, but it's about Tara herself for sure. Okay, yeah. Uh, Tara, excuse me. Okay, I'm just curious. Like, how was your life like as an actress back in the day? Oh, um, <laughs> no one's asked me that. That's interesting. Um, yeah, I was, uh, I actually was a writer when I was very young and a 
um, actress and studied uh, classical theater when I was very young. And I actually moved out of the house when I was 16. And um, I did modeling and acting for several years and um, professionally and had an agent in Hollywood and whatnot. And I had some walk-in parts and I did classical theater and I loved it. Um, I loved it very much. And I did, um, I was in La Bamba. I was a dancer and, uh, that was a, a, a movie that came out and, um, I really enjoyed doing all of that. And then I was given the opportunity to, um, go to Washington DC as an intern, uh, for Leon Panetta. And I did that and left, um, the acting career and looking back, I probably should have just stayed with classical theater, but whatever. Um, but I enjoyed uh, you know, my time with, with that, it was an interesting time and I was quite young. Um, and my first real, like, I guess, paycheck, um, came, um, when I, it wasn't even a paycheck. I just, the first time I was paid for writing, I wrote some poetry and it was published. And so I got $25 and I was very excited. I was 16. So that was my first yay writing gig. <laughs> It's very bad poetry, too. (laughs) Very bad poetry, too. Uh, Sandy, you just came up. Did you you have something for Tara? Uh, I've seen La Bamba ever since I was uh, 15 years old. And, uh, yeah, I loved it quite a bit. uh, But, boy, was the ending uh, uh, devastating, especially with that song, uh, Sleep... What? I believe it was, Sleepwalking? Or, yeah, uh, playing uh, during uh, Richie Valens' funeral. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Tara. Hi. Hi. I see the title that is on the space that says Tara Reid receives asylum in Russia. I just want to ask if you've given up your U.S. citizenship. Um, no, you're not required to do that when you when you get asylum. So, no, I have not. Okay, so why do you need asylum? Well, we went over that quite a bit in the earlier part of the show. Um, I'm so sorry I missed it. That's okay. Um, You know, I don't want to put everyone through the whole story again, but um, there was a sealed indictment against me, and it became clear that I couldn't go back even though I was supposed to testify against Biden. So I chose to stay so in Moscow. So you don't believe in the American justice system? Well, I, I think that um, it's not so much about that. It's about believing or not believing. I have a law degree. So obviously I, I thought that the justice system would work. Um, it's about the fact that it was um, coming after me um, when I was trying to testify against Biden at the U.S. Congress. And... Uh, basically, I would even call it witness tampering at that point, the amount of harassment that I was getting and threats. So I decided to choose safety over with the greatest amount of caution. And I have stayed in Moscow, Russia, and I have chosen to stay here. That's brilliant. I'm glad you're safe. How do you feel about what happened to... Um... It's so complicated to say his name, the guy that, you know, that just blown up on a plane um do you think you're safe in russia i think i'm safer in russia than i am in the united states of america that's what i think how do you all feel about that you think so you think russia is safer than america for me it is 
So who precisely is after you? I think that's enough, Sandy. Thank you. Um, uh, go ahead, Eric. You were up before and then you dropped. So go ahead. My question is a quick question. Now that you've been victim of the American system, the uh, unjust things about it, are you planning to meet with Edward Snowden and discuss what future the North America could have? Um, I have not formally met him, and um, I look forward to at some point in the future. I think he's not as involved with um, politics, geopolitics, um, as much as, you know, his comments are have been um, mainly around uh, protection of citizens' rights, Ameri- you know, world citizens, American citizens, against surveillance. Um, of their by their government and freedom of speech and lack of censorship. So, if I could, I would have those conversations, and hopefully, we'll soon. Thank you. Go ahead, Pete, and then Rage. I just do want to say real quick: there is a is a wonderful expat community in Moscow that Tara is a part of. That being said, it does seem, from my experience, that Snowden is not a member of that community and is fairly inaccessible. It's not that he's inaccessible; it's that he's got um, he's under a lot of threats. Um, you know, even though he's safe in Moscow, Russia, it's still he's still. Uh, having to deal with a lot. So, and he has a, he has a young family and I think, you know, and I, and I have to be honest, I love being with some expats that I'd really trust. Of course you Ben bear and um, <laughs> Benjamin bear is the best. Um, and um, you know, many others that I have re- you know, met, but there are other expats that go back and forth between other countries that are maybe working for MI6 or for intelligence services. And so I tend to just be a little careful because um, I'm a little bit of a target too. And I'm on the Ukraine kill list and I've already had, you know, uh, I won't go into it, but something happened where someone was reaching out to me that had, you know, negative intentions. So I find I, I really just want to integrate into Russian society and Russian um, culture and um, community and that's what I'll do um, and I of course I'll have my friends here that are here but you know I'm cautious so I, I don't blame Edward Snowden for being very very cautious especially with such a young family thank you go ahead Pete and then Rage and then Emily Okay, yeah, all right. Uh, um, um, I was mentioning uh, Edward Snowden before. I mean, the th- the thing is, you know, that's why I asked you: Have you been have you been prohibited to speak about uh, certain things? I said that you know, um, because you know, Edward Snowden was told, you know, when he came into Russia, you know, that uh, um, you you can come here, you know, as a, and you can seek asylum, this and that, you know, but we don't want you to discuss politics whatsoever. Um, so that's why I asked the question earlier. No, so, no, but, yeah, but, no. No one has ever said that to me. No one. In fact, um, I've been encouraged to speak freely as much. And like I told you earlier, and I really want to emphasize this, I have never felt more free and more able to do my work than I have in this moment. It's been like such a relief. It's been like a weight lifted off my shoulders. I could literally write my articles and do my shows and not feel like there's going to be a knock at my door like I did in the U.S., you know, Um in the U.S., I was I was petrified at one point, you know, because they were doing raids and they had done raids with 
you know, other anti-war activists there in the U.S. And um, here in Russia, I was given no instructions. I've been given, I've never met, an, um, I've never had a meeting with an FSB officer. No one's tried to interrogate me or ask me any questions. Um, if anything, they just ask me if I'm okay, what if I need help, and that's it. There's, it they've been very generous, very kind, and very wonderful. So I, and and, you know, of course, I'm working now for RT, and there was no no restrictions put on what, you know, I say. There's no censorship. And, you know, if you if you look at Lee I mean, Camp, are, are you working? You said you're working for RT. Uh, it, it, does that mean will there be a Tara Reid show on RT, or, or how, 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 how do we see that? Um, right now, um, right now I'm doing uh, corresponding and I, I work, yeah, you know, I've worked on op-eds before and I've done, you know, with a website and I've also done some, I've done some appearances on RT every, you know, few weeks. Um, so you'll see me do that. And, you know, we have some things that we're talking about, so we'll see what happens in the future, but um, I'll let you know when the, when the future project starts to come. To fruition. Okay. Well, the, the, my last question is, you know, it's a double. It's actually a double question. Um, what is the thing that you miss most about the uh, about the U.S.? I mean, uh, as an American who who's, uh, who who got asylum in Russia, what is the thing that you said? Oh my God, uh, I, I wish they had that here. You know. And the second question is because I said it was a double question. Does does the <laughs> does the Russian reincarnate that you know McDonald's taste exactly the same as McDonald's, or or is this a kind of also a, a myth? Oh, you know what? I have to ch I have to try it. I haven't tried the McDonald's here or there. I, I don't eat really fast food. Um, so but I'll have to try it. Um, I did try the Stars Coffee, which is a takeoff on Starbucks. And it's slightly different. Um, and but it's good. Um, I actually found a really good coffee house here in Moscow that roasts their own beans. Um, and I found some, the food is excellent because it doesn't have the chemicals. It doesn't have the, uh, you know, the H, the GMOs. It doesn't have the hormones in the dairy products. Um, Monsanto is, is banned. So it's, it's very pure. So I like that. So you don't have to like dig around for organic and it's not like $5 higher, you know, like in the U S you know, the here it's, it's very, um, everything's organic. In fact, um, I believe President Putin um, gives incentives to organic farmers that don't use pesticides. And many pesticides are banned. In fact, I don't even know which ones are allowed um, to be, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, know uh, the details on that. But what I do know is that the population is much healthier for it and very fit. And, and I've noticed that. Was this question about McDonald's? Because I did actually go to the McDonald's, yeah. one of the McDonald's in Moscow. I was yeah, actually, what did you think? well, you know, it was a funny story because, and I'll keep this brief because I had asked a woman the night we were doing karaoke, Tara, I had asked a woman on a date and she said, <laughs> yeah, I fell asleep before the date and was 45 minutes late. So she got mad and left. And so I just went to the McDonald's and it was really good. It was better than I remember the United States McDonald's from being the fries were not a, like the fries were a bit different, but I didn't feel like gross after eating them. Yeah. The chemicals aren't allowed, you know, like, like, you know, like they have, uh, I really think your date um, story is really funny though. So she stormed off and you never heard from did you give her flowers at least? 
I, I brought I brought flowers, but she was gone by the time I got there. And then she texted me. And she said, I've never waited 45 minutes for somebody. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you know, I totally understand. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, I was just kind of in your head by accident. Oh, no, you gave it me. <laughs> well. I got some pretty expensive flowers, too. One thing about Moscow is there's, there's like, flower shops everywhere. Yes. Uh, having romantic issues, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of a running joke that at any time a man in Moscow can, like, run to the flower shop and go get those apology flowers. <laughs> yeah, they're, like, 24 hours in Moscow, so it's pretty I know, funny. I, I, I've gotten flowers only twice since I've been here, but it's really nice when you get flowers. It's really cute. It's really sweet, so. Yeah. That's, that's like, so old-fashioned. It's charming. I love it. I love flowers. So anytime. <laughs> I think it's M- Emily and then Rage. Yes. Hi, Tara. Um, this has been a privilege to listen to you. This is the second time I've heard you on um, speaking on a space. I didn't know much about spaces with you because I wasn't on Twitter, but I have been following everything about you and I've been talking to everybody I know that Um, are advocates for the victims of sexual assault and my story is I survived it and now I'm thriving but I also help young young children um, that come to me I I have this God sense in me that God gave me the gift not only of gab but he gave me the gift of counsel and I've had three girls that I've taken off of a suicidal watch list um, because a lot of the times you don't want to be here anymore after, after seeing the eyes of the monster that did that to you. And then you believe that monster is going to go after other people, including your family members. So in my, in, in my thing, I did the bravery thing that you did. I was 17 years old and I had met, um, at an underage um, club that you could be 16 plus, but you didn't get the drinking, uh, the, uh, what do you call it? The drinking bracelet. But the Navy hung out in Long Beach, California. And so I met a guy, my friend met a guy and we said, okay, that'd be fun. Take Navy guys to the prom. Well, lo and behold, all what happened happened. And then I found out after I reported him that he was, wanted in Kentucky and he went AWOL number one if he went AWOL he definitely did something very wrong elsewhere Um, but my reporting got him caught to the point that he could be nowhere without being caught so I really really am proud of you as an American woman and now I hope the only very best for you and I will pray for your safety and I will pray for your for your thriving in Russia, because that is something that's just, it's wonderful. Oh, well, thank you. What, what a, what a wonderful, you know, thought. And, and I'm sorry that you had to go through what you went through, but I'm, you know, it's really great to hear that you uh, are trying to help others as well. So thank you. Thanks for your kind words. It's really nice. Bless you. Go ahead, Rage. Hi, how are you today? Not too bad. Um, 
I'd actually like to start off by an apology to um, Sarah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing you probably don't remember me, but I was one of the people who helped put on the first March for Medicare for All. And I was actually the person who, um, who like, set up the entire L.A. March where you were, where you were supposed to speak, and I was super stoked to give you the time to speak, but uh, they started doing some bullshit in the background, and I kind of put my foot down, and they were like, well... This isn't gonna work. I was like, "Well, I'm not gonna move." So everything kind of got screwed up because I was I was no longer in charge of the LA March, but I still have a, lo- a lot of like personal feelings about it because of the fact that I was the one who set it up. So I do want to apologize about that. But um, beyond that, I actually I've been I've also been following your story for a long time. You and Rose McGowan and the entire CAA debacle and the Times Up movement and really. Like all of the garbage that they did and all the backroom dealings. And from my perspective, like the actual cult of Washington having their hands and fingers and everything that kind of went down. And I really just wanted to know, like, do you have any thoughts about like CAA, the Time's Up movement, what happened with you and the Democratic Party? And, you know, any, any thoughts about that that you feel more freely to speak about now versus when you were kind of in the U.S.? Oh, well, I, I spoke really freely in the U.S., and that's probably what got me here was all the times that I spoke really freely in the U.S. <laughs> I just, I mean, I, I just don't, you know, I don't back down. And that's 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 one of the things, you know, I admire about Rose McGowan. And, and she and I kind of saw sisters in each other. She actually is in the foreword of my book, um, Left Out When the Truth Doesn't Fit In. So you can check out my book. It's out in paperback now. And it's being translated into Russian. And I'm going to get the audiobook done. I promise I'm working on it. So it's just there's a lot of projects that I'm, I'm working on all at once. So but um, back to, to that. Um, CAA, yes, they are embedded with the message. I mean, you just look at the movies and you see the way Russia's, um, and I did an op-ed on this, I think two years ago or a year ago, can't remember now, a year and a half ago for RT about the stereotypes of, of Russian women. I did it particularly in film. Um, and you know, it's, it's, it's Russia's always bad and the women are always, you know, they, they always portray them as, um, you know, sexually loose and things like that. In fact, one of the insults that was directed towards me was I was called a, a Russian whore that did all her work on her back, horrible things like that, you know, and, um, really just really negative rhetoric coming from the Democrats who are supposed to be, of course, pro women. Right. And then from Hollywood itself, it's just this, this image that the democrats kind of have a hold of you know of that and uh you know rose mcgowan did a good job of really exposing them exposing harvey weinstein who is kind of at the head of that and one of the main democrat contributors she she had a quote that that i have used a couple of times myself she said look i've been in the room when these people have their mics off i know what they're saying i know what they're doing and it's not good and the military industrial complex is very embedded in, in Hollywood. And so you'll notice like Sean Penn's doing a documentary about Ukraine. You notice all of these, you know, really strong, um, you know, as far as negative messages about, um, you know, about Russia coming 
from Hollywood. And, and a lot of it is coming from, you know, that industry, unfortunately. Time's Up was supposed to be a, uh, a legal apparatus to help women come forward about powerful men. It was a catch and kill for elite Democrats. It was a catch and kill for elite, elite Democrats to, to protect these powerful men. And, and what it did was, is go after, you know, the victims. So like, for instance, when I went to Time's Up, I thought they were going to help me. They were actually on Joe Biden's payroll already, um, the founder. In fact, to the point, um, according to FEC records, $2.2 million um, she'd already been receiving during the time I was trying to come forward. So, yeah, there's a significant tie. I was very outspoken. They've, they've had to dismantle Time's Up. It was um, a lot of us spoke up. There was finally an investigation that revealed it. And um, Hillary Rosen um, and Tina Chen and Anita Dunn all had to step down. Um, and they, they folded Time's Up. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot um, there. And it, it extends to not just attacking, you know, like people like Rose or people like me. But the whole country of Russia, I mean, like the this, you know, the entertainment industry and, and you know, you look at like Tom Cruise's movie, right? Like the, you know, the Top Gun 2 or whatever it is in the lobby. They had um, recruitment for military set up to try to capture, you know, young men sort of coming in to like, come on, you know, we're recruiting here and all that propaganda, all that war propaganda. It's just it's it's thick and, and they're very, very much. Uh, very much working together on the messaging for the military industrial complex. Actually, I just have one quick follow-up. Um, have you been in contact with Rose McGowan of any time recently? Cause I've actually kind of been a little worried for her. Cause she, she's, she's said more truth than I think a lot of people are ready for. And it's, it's been something on my mind. So I don't know if you've been in contact with her, but I, I love to hear anything you got to say about her. Yes, I really like to protect her privacy, though. She's a personal friend. She's she's fine. Um, and she's doing well. And she's being very supportive of me, um, you know, as she always has been. Um, but I, I really can't say more than that. But she's she's good. That's that's all I want to know. Thank you very much. Tara, just on that same subject, um, I, I saw that she had put out a, a couple months ago a, a statement, you know, saying that she was going to just take a, t a step back and she was working on her and and getting healthy. And I, I think that that was probably the best thing that she could do. She's such a brilliant woman and, and uh, she's gone so, through a lot like yourself and uh, it takes different types of people to get through it. And I just have to say I am so impressed with what you've done. Um, some people, you know, would be crushed and, and you know, <laughs> their life would be over. Um, they wouldn't be able to cope. And, and you're just so strong. And I, and I have, tip, you know, hats off to you. Hats off to her. Well, thank you. But, uh, you know, the reason why I'm doing well is because I have a lot of support around me. I mean, I mean, I have RT that really stepped up and has been amazing to me. Um, Maria Butina has been, Masha has been, uh, you know, very protective and wonderful and a good friend to me. And, you know, and then I have, um, as Benjamin mentioned, you know, I've had um, a lot of community of expats that have, have surrounded Chris M's like I, he's, he's gone through it himself and you've heard him on spaces. He's, he's one of my besties. <laughs> Fiorella Isabel, 
um, is one of my friends and who's, who's really sweet and kind. You know, these are people that, that really give their time and energy to helping others and to be kind. And, you know, they've been through things themselves. Chris's case, um, he was, he showed me how to use a taxi, how to use the phone. You know, it was like being a baby when I first got here. I couldn't do it because you, when you can't speak the language and you don't know anything, you just, you kind of just, you're, you muddle through, but he sent groceries to my house you know, and, and made sure I had food for a couple of days. Cause I didn't, you know, made sure I had money. I mean, he's just amazing. Um, and so I, I'm strong, but you know what I really, and then I have Rada, of course, um, and John Levy, my other attorney who've been protecting me. So I've had a, I've been, I feel like I'm really lucky. Like I've had people around me really protecting me and being really kind and uh, lifting me up. And so that's been a, so I've been able to get on my feet and that's, that's what it takes. It takes, you know, and we all need to do that for one another. And, you know, I hope, you know, so I, I owe a lot to, to, you know, people, you know, cause, cause everyone's gone through a lot with RT, you know, a lot of the, the people were targeted. I mean, I know journalists were targeted and sanctioned Brian McDonald, a brilliant Irish journalist. I, I admire him endlessly. And he, um, he was sanctioned and, um, you know, uh, Che Bose is an Irish, uh, another Irish journalist who it works for RT now, you know, and he, you know, he's been targeted by the Irish government and he's been very, so kind to me and so wonderful and fun. And, and we've had a lot of laughter and, and there's in this, you know, so a lot of us that have had to seek asylum or seek safety, we also have some gallows humor, you know, we have a lot of, we have a good, a lot of good laughs, huh, Ben? And, and that's, we definitely do. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but I, I could not be strong without all those people I mentioned. And my daughter has been amazing too. She really stepped up and, um, you know, so that's, but for the grace of them go, I is what I say. Go to the next. <clears throat> Sorry, who did you call on? I think Heidi was next. Heidi, welcome. Oh, hello. Um, hi- hello, Tara. Hi, Heidi. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm good. Thank you. And um, I just want to say, Rada, Rada Sterling, please feel better. Okay. Um. And Tora, I just wanted to ask you, I, I'm glad that you're feeling so safe now. Um, I wanted to ask you if if you wanted to send something to your daughter or your family by mail, are you allowed to or do you need to use an alias? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, right now, I have ways of communicating with my family, but mail is not one of them. okay so you know but um but uh right now mail is a little challenging um with the current situation that we're all in so Mm -hmm. you know it's not something that i'm focusing on right now okay okay thank you thank you nighty night good night and thank you for all your support heidi it's really wonderful thanks for all the support you give me on social media i really appreciate your questions and comments it's really beautiful Okay. All right. Thank you. Donkey, sorry about earlier. Go ahead. Uh, hey, my name is Donkey and I'm unvaccinated. 
Hey, donkey. I hope this is a safe <laughs> space. <laughs> hey, Tara. Hi. How are you? I'm glad I can make you laugh because my next uh, joke is like, is it too soon to have my avatar with Biden sniffing me uh, and talk with you? <laughs> I don't know if it's yeah, too it's soon. Yeah, but... it's too soon. It's too soon. Yeah. Okay, okay. I apologize for like, that. Probably like a hundred years too soon. But that's a good one. <laughs> I could appreciate that. Um, you say a hundred years, and it's like sometimes I think I was born a hundred years ago. Um, I was born in Hungary, and when we came to Canada, we came here with the hopes of uh, you know a good country and work hard, and we did that. My parents gave me a lot more than they felt like they had when um, you know they were growing up, and I hope to do that uh, with my boy. And um, one of the things that you know woke me up, though, like to be honest, I'm also sorry that I'm like as came to this table of being awake like so late. It was only the last three years when the government decided to start saying, well, you can't go to the store papers we need to see papers and vaccination documents and my mom like I, I if i talk a lot about it all i got to do is listen to her because you know she's more upset about what's going on here um which is like a crazy time to be alive right because it's like my issue of a, just this tiny ant in this humongous world uh, my my issue of you know with just being this tiny ant in this huge world and like now being awake and understanding more of what's going around me, um, my re my simple question is: uh, Do they require vaccines, um, vaccinations, like especially with like this COVID crap in Russia? Not that I know of. No. I mean, it's cool because they abused it. I I don't know if you. Um, you know, had much of an opinion on it and pardon if it's just this like weird angle to a question to you, but no, you I mean, me? I, I mean, I had a bad reaction to the, to the, um, I had to take it. Um, cause I was trying to travel as required or something when I was in America and I took the Pfizer one and I had a very bad reaction, ended up in the ICU. So yeah, it's, it's bad. And I won't take another one ever. So that's, that's how I feel. Um, and I, I don't really get into it a whole lot because it's so divisive of a conversation, but, um, you know, because I just have my opinion, it's my, my health, so I'll do what I want. Um, but yeah, here in Russia, no, I, I mean, I haven't had any, anyone say, Hey, you got to take the vax. Um, I think I'd be more inclined to take the vaccine vaccination in Russia than in America because, um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in Russia, but because they are not using the same technology that the U.S. did. They're using traditional vaccine technology. So, um, but it's not an issue. So I'm not going to be doing that. Um, yeah. And uh, I see that they're trying to get the mask thing going. And my theory is, is that they really are trying to run Biden. And so they're going to put him back in the basement again. And, and hopefully they won't put america on lockdown again but it looks like they're moving you towards something i don't know i don't know about canada canada is is kind of in its own fascist state so yeah exactly that's well, I, I can pretty much that. sorry <laughs> that's pretty much you know like my angle to it you know because like i have had vaccinations in the past and it hasn't been a force like or a forced issue because like you said it shouldn't be, I think, like a topic at the dinner table, right? Like it should just be 
you choose to do it, if it's important to you, then I, I can respect that, right? Uh, my mother, um, she had an operation, so she went to take it. My own mother, I can't hate on her for taking it, you know what I mean? I'm not one of those, like, crazies. I mean, I am crazy, but um, I'm not one of those crazies that, you know, <laughs> say, I'm not going to like you if you do it or whatever, but what upset me was that it just wasn't a choice anymore. You know what I mean? And like here, it's pretty bad in Canada. The hospitals are already uh, bringing back uh, mask requirements. As far as I know, it's like I and as far as I see, because I live outside of the urban centers, so it's a little bit more conservative naturally ish, right? Like people aren't going all over crazy about it, and it's just more or less a choice, right? Like. Um, I felt threatened by it. You just had to listen to our TV and our news and our radios and stuff like that. They were like putting out polls. Should the unvaccinated be sent to jail and stuff like that? And it was traumatizing. It was such a weird time to, you know, just suddenly think I'm in a body snatcher episode all alone and then find, you know, other people and then start waking up and educating. And, you know, here I am in a space <laughs> uh, with easy uh, geopolitics. Right. So um, thanks for your input, though. Yeah, it's all connected. I mean, I mean, I think the next thing that they're going to do is probably climate lockdowns. That's my prediction. Um, you know, I think that the moving towards that, so. International or did agent go already? If agent didn't go, it's agents first. No, I hadn't, I hadn't, had a, <laughs> I realized I unmiked very briefly earlier and that made my hand go away. So thanks. Um, yeah, I actually, I have so many questions, Tara, and it's such an honor to speak to you. Um, thank you. It was, I mean, I thought your your role, I mean, it was a historic role, really, in um, bringing to light what happened to you. I, I realized you were, you had reported it officially, like, way back when it happened, as far as I'm aware. Yes. And so sometimes my criticism of people, like, um, honestly, one of my criticisms, who was the Kavanaugh accuser, and it may have happened, but it's, like, so much more suspicious when it's like, oh... Now he's almost to the final finish line and whatever his career. And then now you're coming out. And But you didn't do that. You reported it when it had like, you know, very early. And um, so I find you very credible. And um, but I have questions. I mean, then I, you know, I've been following you on on um, on Twitter since since everything broke. And I'm I'm sorry, you got marginalized the same way like the Biden, the Hunter laptop did. I mean, they just. The media totally conspired, I think, to just bury anything. And it was clear that they, they just picked who they wanted to win. And we're going to make it happen no matter what. Um, but I did see, I mean, I guess it was a couple months ago uh, that I saw it was a BBC headline where I read it that you had um, requested asylum in Russia or you were going for Russian citizenship. And I guess I had a lot of questions then because I really my first thought was like, oh, gosh, maybe she was like a Russian asset all this time. Um, and, yeah. and, and you're working for RT now. I mean, a lot of people I like work there, Jesse Ventura, uh, Max Kaiser. I've always thought that there's good criticisms that they've leveled uh, about the U.S. on RT, as well as good reporting, global reporting. I've always, to be honest, felt like all their Russia specific stuff was like very, you know, just nationalist and kind of, you know, uh, not not objective let's say but um 
but anyway, yeah. So I just, I, I'd love you to reflect on kind of like the the eyebrows, the suspicion that might be raised over like this move. And I just wanted to ask too, a little more, because you said you're anti-war. And I, I mean, I would consider myself as well, but I also, it, it really horribly like bothers me. A, yes, like the, the, the way the U.S. is fueling things and maybe provoked Russia in this. But at the same time, it's like, you know, this it felt like it was totally Russia's decision and hundreds of thousands of people are now dead because of this. Um, and and one final question, sorry to like pancake all these, but the last one would be, do you think Prigozhin was murdered and do you think Vladimir Putin was responsible? Thank you. Oh, such easy questions. <laughs> um, first of all, uh, thanks. Thanks for, for the, you know, for your questions. Um, okay, to, I am not gonna, like, I am not going to speculate on the Prigozhin case. I don't know enough and that is a very confusing thing and i think any geopolitical person analyst that says that they can definitively give opinions about it um probably is not telling the truth because i think that it's a very very complicated um case and i think sometimes things happen at face value and what we saw unfold happened at face value and you know, now there's an investigation into it, but I do know that that Prigozhin had very many enemies. You know, they had the French, the Chechens, um, there were others, and I'm going to leave it there as far as that goes. I'm not going to say anything else because um, I just really think it's a it's a complex issue that we'll all kind of speculate and talk about for a long time to come. Um, and as far as the Russian agent thing, that started in 2019. Um, Edward Isaac Dovier, who used to work for the Obama administration and works for the Atlantic, decided that I was a Russian asset and put it all over social media. And um, then there was even speculations as they were, you know, kind of getting that narrative to take some some tread on social media that I was a time traveling Russian agent. <laughs> so there were some really elegant solutions to to who I was. Um <laughs> That being said, I am not a Russian agent. I would be, I would be like a Pink Panther. Okay, I think probably Putin would have fired me a long time ago if I were. Right? It's kind of silly. There, no, I'm not a Russian agent. Um, never was uh, any kind of agent at all. Did I work for the government? I did. I worked uh, for the U.S. Senate and the U.S. Congress, as I mentioned. I was a Democratic operative. I was trained by Homeland Security. Um, and I did work with the Seattle police. I helped with domestic violence victims and I was a train the trainer. So did I know the tactics that they were going to bring at me? Yes. Did I expect them to call me a Russian asset? No, uh, that took me by surprise, but then I decided, okay, you're going to call me a Russian asset. All right, well then let's talk about Russia. Let's talk about why you think Russia is the enemy. And so I decided, even though I had a small platform, to use that platform to talk about why are you accusing so many people of being Russian assets? Why is Russia being considered the enemy when we're not in a cold war, when we're not in a hot war, when they don't want to be our enemy? And so I decided to take the narrative there and to take control of the narrative and say, now let's look at this and examine this because the truth of the matter is Russia does not want to be, um, did not want to be the West's enemy. 
And the truth of the matter is you said something that, that, that I'm going to take issue with um, all due respect. You said that, that um, Russia was the aggressor. Are they really the aggressor? Or are they protecting their sovereign nation and the fort, you know, the, the Donbass region that had 14,000 people murdered plus by the Kiev regime? Okay, so there was also and this has been, you know, talked about many, many times before. There's also the fact that there was an agreement that NATO was not going to move eastward. And it did. It, it moved eastward over a period of decades and to, to the point where it's very close and and people have made this comparison that are smarter than me and I'll make the same one. What if, um, you know, Mexico did something like that had, you know, and moved up against the, the U S borders, what would happen? What would happen? Right. If another country moved into Mexico and then moved weapons close, um, look, look at how long it's been 60 years since the Cuban missile crises. Right. And, um, we still have an embargo against Cuba and that there's no chance that they were ever going to do anything. You know, right. So, I mean, what I would say is, is what Russia did was protect a sovereign nation from aggression of NATO and the U S which made it clear that they were coming after them. Not only that, but there are bio labs discovered that were owned by the way, by Fauci that were American owned. And who said that was none other than Victoria Newland, when she let that slip during a congressional hearing either on purpose or not but I would think it's on purpose. And there's, there was, um, so there are, you had bioweapons, you had um, other weapons that were being provided to the U Ukraine. You had Zelensky with his rhetoric about, so yeah, you had a lot of things converging at that time where, and, and you also had the vulnerable Donbass um, region where people were being slaughtered and asking for help for a long time. And, and there are some in Russia that think that Russia waited too long to, to come in. So those are my thoughts. I hope that answers your question. And maybe I can just add to one Thank point that he asked that, by the way. regarding, um, you know, uh, when RT employees speak about Russia itself, I actually interned at RT for about a month. And that is actually how I know Tara. And I can tell you uh, definitively that nobody in the RT newsroom is told what they can and can't say. And I think that anybody who is on television at RT will, will tell you the same thing. That's true. Um, Lee Camp um, had a show with them for eight years, and he talked about how it's the most free he's ever been with the media corporation. He's now independent because uh, RT was shut down in America, as you know, all know, and it's banned in, in some parts of Europe, unfortunately, because of the military operation. But um, what's really sad is um, that absence of balance because RT provides it. And yeah, I've done op-eds, I've done whatever. They never tell me um, to have this or that opinion. Um, and there are people there with a lot of different opinions, actually. Um, and I am not, per se, a journalist. I'm not trained in that. I have a law degree, yes, international relations. But I, I do op-eds. I write books. I'm, I'm an author. I'm a geopolitical analyst. And so that's a little different than being a presenter or a journalist. And so, you know, I, I definitely give an opinion, whereas journalists pr project, you know, they present objectively as well. Now, Lee Camp is more like me. He's a comedian and he's a geopolitical analyst, so he gives an opinion type of show. But again, RT, he said, never once censored him and never once, you know, pulled the reins back. He was completely creatively free to do what he wanted. 
Thank you, Tara. International and then Nadim. Firstly, I thank my right honorable friend for giving way. Once again to Didi, Spasiba for always providing great information on the information warfare front. And um, to the honorable lady, uh, Ms. Tara Reed. firstly, congratulations on securing your asylum. So my first pressing question is, how do you feel Nadia got a new home in Russia? Are you celebrating? And secondly, with the current emergence of the BRICS now, do you feel that you have a better quality of life and opportunity guaranteed now that you're living in a member of the BRICS? And three, what do you make of the current situation concerning Armenia? Because the current prime minister there is really starting to ruffle feathers concerning um, CSTO as well as uh, relations with Russia, considering that the West are just currently, let's just say they're currently losing their mind after considering this whole Ukraine thing didn't work in their wildest fantasies, especially after the announcements of Antony Blinken's visit today in Kyiv, even though he said, the counteroffensive is going well, but it's completely contradicted his own view when you're reading everything coming on other sources, especially thanks to Honorable Didi as well. So um, these are my three pressing inquiries. I thank you very much for listening. Once again, Spasifa, congratulations. Welcome to the land of freedom, Mother Russia. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for those sentiments. I appreciate that. Um, to the first question, I've been celebrating a little too much, so I'm going to back off on that. <laughs> I have been celebrating. Um, I'm going to Vladivostok soon, so I'm going to, um, and that's a nine-hour flight. That's how big Russia is for those who are listening who don't live here. Um, yeah, so I'm really enjoying it. I enjoy my home very much. Um, as far as being part of the BRICS, I will, that's really an interesting development. Um, I already see a positive movement and opportunities for people. I have to say there are a lot more opportunities here. And I think that people in the West don't realize how, how many opportunities there are. So there you have it there, you know, so that's a good thing. Um, and then the third question, you know, it's interesting because um, there's a, uh, a Twitter handle that I follow. And I think all, you know, if you don't follow us, you you should i so i retweeted that uh, comment you made about armenia and it was an interesting t uh tweet it's from russia unplugged so it's at russia unplugged it's got a little cartoon bear so i'd encourage everyone to follow that account um the person that runs it seems to give a very good uh historical context to a lot of things that are happening geopolitically and uh i really enjoy that account but you know I'll just kind of say what that tweet said, which was that it seemed like it was, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase because I don't have it in front of me, but uh, basically uh, the ambassador was challenging the Kremlin there. It was, it, was, it was pretty strong rhetoric, throwing down the gauntlet, if you will. So maybe you want to comment a little bit more on that. And I'm going to try to find that tweet and I'll send it to uh, Didi. Um, I'll send it to... Uh, the host here so that they can put it in the where everyone can see it hi nadim how are you welcome hey how's it going hello hey very well thank you thank you guys for having me yeah just uh i, I you know i just got into this room here i see uh you know a little snippets here and there uh you know so i'm gonna I'm going to listen in a little bit. I just wanted to introduce myself, say thank you for having me, and then, uh, you know, I'll make some comments or whatever. 
Thank that you. sounds great. Thank you. Um, Rage, go ahead. Yeah, I just want to quickly comment on the whole, like, you know, Russia. Like, are you a Russian agent thing? Um, are, like, let's just, I just want to be real quick about this. We haven't even done anything about George W. Bush. Like, he, he created torture. He destroyed a sovereign nation, created ISIS. Um, Obama destroyed Libya, got women and children sold into slavery and raped. And we're still not even talking about, like, we still don't even talk about. There's, like, open slavery in Libya because of Obama and NATO. And we still don't even talk about that. That is not even mentioned. So, like... If we're talking about, like, Russian agents, I, I just got real one quick question. Where are the fucking American agents? Because they don't seem to be anywhere around here doing anything to, like, against anybody. And the problem is, is that, like, th th these narratives don't help anything because of the fact that, like, first of all, it's hypocritical to, first of all, um, criticize, like, Russia before you criticize your own state, the United States. And especially, it's, like, even worse when we ignore all the horrible stuff the United States has done, continues to do. Let's just talk about Yemen if we need to. And then, like, point at, like, Tara Reid, who was attacked by the state. Do you understand? The fucking state for coming out against a politician and being like, oh, my God, this person's a Russian. Like, that is insane. I don't think anybody in the fucking world would wish what Tara Reid was brave thanks, enough to Thanks. Thanks, Rage. Thanks. Sorry. Sorry, sorry. I'll take it. I just want to say, I just want to say a real thing. Terry Reed, you are brave, and everything you went through is incredibly inspiring. I just think that like people need to slow their, you know, hit their brakes a little bit before they start, you know, overly criticizing because it's just it's stupid. It's it's stupid. Like just think about it for two seconds. That's it. That's all I want to say. Sorry. No. That... Yeah. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Thank you. Very sorry, passionate. Yeah. Very passionate response. It was great. I have a question, Dara. Um, do you think that our Biden administration is going to make the same mistake with Taiwan as they are making in Ukraine? Well, you have Anthony Blinken, who's all about going after Russia, and you have Jake Sullivan, who's all about going after China. So you have both of those in that administration alone. You have a lot of Republican. You know, some people make the joke that the red the red team wants to go after Taiwan. You know, after China, the blue team wants to go after. Um, Russia. So unfortunately, um, there seems to be a movement towards going after two major nuclear powers. I don't know why. Uh, it's it seems insane. And but you know they want to justify a, a military budget that was almost a trillion dollars, like just shy of a trillion dollars, um, and will surpass a trillion dollars next budget if it keeps going at this rate, which is an unbelievable amount of money dedicated to the military industrial complex. Thank you for that. Go ahead, Pete. Uh, Nadim was before me. Um, go ahead, Nadim. No, no, no. Go ahead, Pete. You were before me, actually. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, um, I have kind of one question, you know, um, a kind of a future question for Tara. I mean, do you see yourself kind of making a kind of a um, documentary series or whatever, you know, about Russia, um, kind of um, uh, deconstructing, you know, what has been constructed in our heads, you know, uh, in the West, you know, about, you know, the, the big bad, the big bad bear or whatever, 
um, do you see that happening, or or do you see yourself, you know, uh, in in a in a position in which you can kind of, you know, bring bring because I mean we we are being torn apart right now. So do you see do you see yourself, you know, uh, in a position, you know, to to bring our, ourselves together, you know, in the future or or whatever. Well, I hope that I can continue my work in writing and, you know, that would be interesting to me to work on something like that, a project like that. And of course, I'm looking at, at those options. I'm also uh, writing uh, two books right now. Um, so I will continue with all of those projects as well and help however I can to, um, you know, really change the perception of this propaganda that's been propagated by the U.S. for so long. And really, it goes back, you know, further, you know, it goes back further than the, you know, the Cold War, you know, it goes back almost to right after World War II. So there's a lot of repairing and a lot of damage that's been done, um, unfortunately, uh, by the American government um, and the elites. And, you know, you have to keep in mind, we keep, we keep, we can change the leaders, but it's systemically the, the, the culture and the, you know, that needs to change. And also the bureaucrats that are pushing those, those negative narratives and wanting to create enemies where there are nuns to, to just put money in their pockets, you know, manufacturing weapons. And so that's what this is about. You know, it's, it's about that. It's about feeding that machine that, that needs to be shut down. And, and until that machine shut down, unfortunately, you know, humanity is just being grinded to a pulp by it, you know, for a few people that are making a lot of money. So that's, so I want to keep, um, you know, doing the work and, and, you know, I'm really lucky that I have the fortunate ability to do that here. So I'm, I'm going to keep doing that. Go ahead, Nadine. Thank you. Thank you. You know, Tara, first off, my hat's off to you. You are very brave, uh, as Rach said earlier. And, you know, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. You know, the, the policies in the United States have, uh, you know, brought us to where we are today, you know. And obviously, there are many things that went wrong along the way around the world. But here we are today, you know. And, and when it comes down to the Ukraine situation, you know, I see most people deconstructing it going back to 2014 under Obama and doing all these things. I like to simplify things. And what I have begun to do is just simply look at the track records of these people. You know, the, their careers are not new by any means. You know, all these Victoria Newlands uh, and the Joe Bidens of the world, they have long careers, decades old, and they have, you know, make, given us an example of their behavior in the past in terms of the Iraq war or uh, Victoria Nuland pushing uh, for the intervention in Afghanistan and so on and so forth. So that is what, uh, you know, I have uh, been doing here so I could approach these topics from an unbiased perspective. But we keep seeing more and more Americans uh, waking up and that is, you know, that it's very hopeful and we are living in an exciting time with BRICS, uh, you know, and all these different organizations forming around the world. I see people like Colonel Douglas McGregor, you know, Carl Tark, uh, Carl Tarkson, you know, all these bigger people that are coming out. They're having their shows and they're, uh, you know, trying to spread the message to the American people. And, you know, the only thing that I could say here is we need to 
wake up and we need to face the fact that in a society, we are responsible for what our governments do. And the only way we can expiate that responsibility is to use every breath we have and do everything we can do to demonstrate our utter rejection of the criminal acts of our governments. Oh, very well put. Very well put. Um, I, you know, I, and I, on that note, I have to um, ask that maybe I have one more question in me to answer. Um, <laughs> and then I, I need don't know to... how you're doing it because I don't have any more questions for Tara and me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I need to, I, yeah, I have to um, get up early and travel, but I, I definitely wanted to make myself available for one last question. And, and that's, you know, so just let me know what that would be. Does anybody want to take it? Tyler, Ben, or Anna, or uh, Thomas? Sure, I'll take it. My name's Thomas. I'm 73 years old, and I am not obese. I, uh, I, I, earlier, in the, earlier in the conversation, something came up, and I think what came up is the biggest danger to the United States. Russia is not my enemy. China is not my enemy. North Korea is not my enemy. Iran is not my enemy. Syria is not my enemy. Trump is obese. When, when I hear Trump talk, Trump says, I did this. I am the best who ever did this. Nobody has ever done this better than me. He says that about almost everything he said. The man has a very sick mind. And part of the reason is, he be, is because he's obese. When I look at Vladimir Putin, though I can't speak Russian, and when I watch him speak and feel his energy online, you know what I say to myself? Why can't the United States have somebody who's as level-headed, who's as sane, who's as healthy, who's as down-to-earth as Vladimir Putin seems to me? And the reason that is, is what was touched on earlier. We have sick, sick agriculture in this country and Russia has healthy, healthy agriculture in this country. Food is what makes us all either healthy or sick. And one of the things that it makes healthy or sick is our brains. I see very healthy brain in Putin in the people of Russia when I watch them walking around Red Square on New Year's Eve one night in, in the cold, cold air. They're walking around with children and families in their coats and everybody's talking to each other and happy. And Times Square is a madhouse. So if there is a question at all, how many people in this room and you, Tara, think that the biggest danger to the United States and the biggest reason Russia is a lot more sane is because of the farming and the food supply? Well, I, I had said earlier that, um, yeah, I noticed that the food is healthier here and they, they've banned Monsanto and they don't do the hormone um, in the, the dairy products. And they also don't do the genetic altering and modification of vegetables that they do in the U.S. Um, you know, and, and President Putin purposely has been um, and I have watched um, a speech or two about that. And um, so I think that that's a, a valid point. Yes, it's very it's very healthy here. It's very good and very positive. And on that note, I want to say um, thank you to the hosts um, from the bottom of my heart. It was nice um, talking to all of you. Benjamin, I miss you dearly. Come back to Moscow, please. 
um, and I hope to meet you in person at some point. And uh, to all of you, the all of you that have been so patient and listened and asked questions. And if those of you didn't get called on or had something, you can DM me, and my email is posted on my profile. And I answer questions and I talk to people. So feel free to contact me. And um, I'm on TNT Radio every day, Monday through Friday, 4 p.m. Moscow time. Um, with Sasha Karnakova, um, who is a fantastic co-host. And I'm also doing my Politics of Survival, and I have books coming out. So lots of ways you can reach me. And again, thank you to the host for having me. It really meant a lot to me. Thank you. Oh, this was amazing. I will be in touch with you. And Tara will be on the podcast towards the end of September. So we'll probably try to do another space after that. See, I'll put Tara on the spot and I'll like, (laughs) I will definitely come back and I'll have stories from Vladivostok. Yes, we need to hear about the fart. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. Thank you. Very nice to meet you. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler. All the love. Recording will be on YouTube in a little while and Twitter as usual. All right, guys. Thank you. Good night.